Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. Let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind with your host Tim Nadell, which is me. Please follow me online. It's at Saturday Rewind or my personal one is at Tim underscore Nidell. And man, I got to tell you, today's interview, it's amazing. It's amazing because I have the very talented Terry McGovern on the podcast. And of course, he was the voice of Launchpad McQuack from DuckTales and Darkwing Duck. What do you know, Mr. McD? This is our 100th crash together. I don't know about you guys, but Launchpad McQuack is easily in my top 10 favorite cartoon characters of all time. I'm not lying just because he's on the show. He is an amazing character, and part of that is his voice. So if Terry wasn't the original voice of Launchpad, I don't think either show would have been the same, honestly. He really brought a lot of heart to both of those shows. And I just had an amazing time talking to him on the interview. But before I play that interview, please go check out CelebWorks. That's C-E-L-E-B-W-O-R-X.com. If you're looking to book a talent for an upcoming convention, whenever they do start doing conventions, or right now they're actually doing mail order, video shoutouts, and autographs. I can see Jason Marsden on there, Renee Jacobs, Pat Fraley, Will Ryan, Michael Bell, Alan Oppenheimer, a lot of amazing, amazing talent. So even though right now you can't go to conventions, the conventions can come to you. Get your autographs today at CelebWorks.com. And of course, while you're on the internet, check out our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. And I just want to give a big shout out to our continued Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. Thank you so very much, Mike Clemens, Gemma Bright, Tori Garvin. You guys are rock stars. You really are. And if you're listening and you want to help out the podcast, you know, our show is an independent show. Really, it's just running off my debit and credit cards, honestly. So if you want to help us out, I have a Patreon campaign going on. It starts at only 2 bucks a month. Or if you want to do a one-time thing, you can do that too, even through PayPal. We take PayPal. So check out the website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. And then click on the donation tab right there, and you can read all about it. But yeah, like I was saying, this interview is amazing. If you love DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, even Star Wars, because yes, he did contribute to Star Wars. I'm actually getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. But he has some amazing stories about Star Wars. He really contributed two major things to the original Star Wars. So you'll hear all about that on the interview. Oh yeah, one more quick thing. Terry does have a podcast out. We talk about it near the end of the episode. If you go to threehomies.com, that's the number three, then homies.com, please check out his podcast. And if you do, tell him we sent you. I know he'd love to hear from you guys. But yeah, anyways, here is my interview with Terry McGovern. So, um, I've been kind of watching your show, and and, uh, it's very well done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, yeah. So, have we met... 
We have not. You've you have given me an autograph through my buddy Gary Lane, because I know you know Neary and Chris and all. A proxy and autograph. They gave me an autograph. I think it was maybe like ten months ago. But no, we have not met yet. Where are you? In Montana. Montana. Yep. Holy hell! Big yeah. sky. Yeah, it just stopped snowing last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you won't find me there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of it, too. I know exactly what you mean. I'm not from here originally, so I, I love the look of it, but I just don't deal with the uh, negative temperatures too much. Are we recording? Not yet. Well, go ahead. Come on. Let's, let's do it. I mean, do we have to be formal about it? No, I, I actually record the intro after the fact, so it's good. Let me see here. I'm having pretzels in a Coke. <laughs> I'm having uh, something in a in a... In a cup. Well, you gonna tell us what it is? It might be a little coke and something else. Maybe ice. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, let's stick with that. Montana. Going to Montana. Yeah, it's been interesting here with the You know uh, that? I don't know that. Who who was that? Is is it country? Oh, oh duh. Okay. Gonna be a dental floss tycoon. I know that. Yeah, I know that. Don't go near the yellow snow. Um, and, and I have a very dear friend, a uh, famous writer in his day, Richard Brodigan, okay. lived there. And every winter, uh, friends like Tom McGuane, the poet, and Harry Dean Stanton, oh, yeah. the actor. Yep. And they would all go up to his place. It wasn't Billings. He lived, well, there's only four towns. There, yeah, there's so. like, there's Billings, Bozeman, Missoula, and Bozeman. Gre- he Bo- was Bozeman. Yeah, I love he Bozeman. He was in Bozeman. And uh, I, Turned him down every year. I said, no. <laughs> All I can think of was Richie Valens and Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was Wyoming. No, that was uh, North Dakota. It was. But it's the same weather. Yep. Same exact. Especially that area. It's and not same too mountains. far. Exactly. Yeah. I used to worry back in the uh, early 70s when Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and uh, uh, oh my God, who was the third? Uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix. They all died at 27. Yeah. There's a lot of people. And I was sitting on the couch with my wife. And I said, I'm 27. I've got six months to go to get out of here. <laughs> she says, does that mean, what, you're not going outside anymore? I said, yeah, I'm 27. She said, you're overlooking something. You're not a rock star. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> well, you were you were close to a rock star. You were close. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> hey, so you got the SM7. Yes, I do. I love it. Yeah. I love that microphone. Great, great microphone. I, I have it in my studio, which is in another state. No, it's 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 in another little building. And I got this. Picked this up on, you know, from your Amazon. Yep. And it's a Yeti. I like blue. Uh, when you go to the big studios and they have blue microphones. Jesus. What quality. <laughs> does this sound okay? It sounds amazing. This one, it sounds okay? It does. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not expensive. It's just a no. nice little... Yeah, I had thing a thing to have in your office. I had a Yeti before this one, and then I just like, you know what? I, I researched this one, and it had amazing reviews, and I just picked it up. I love oh, it. Oh, it's the best! It's Bono's mic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just stop right there. You there. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, uh, thank you so very much for talking with me. I'm so excited for this little chat. We're well, no one else will. Tim, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad sure. to help out. Uh, let me just set this up. I was seven when Ducktales came out. And I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it became my. It used to drive me crazy. Younger people, when I would work with, I'd reference something, and they'd say, "Well, that was before my time." And I'd say, "Well, so was Shakespeare." Okay. Yeah. yeah. The Bible was before <laughs> your time. So what? What's yep. your point? Exactly. Mickey Mouse was before your time. You know. It's... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but Ducktales. Oh, that's good. You were seven years old when uh, Ducktales hit the. Uh... Get yep. the screen, huh? and it was it became my favorite cartoon of all time, and it still is my favorite cartoon of all time. So Ducktail, not Darkwing Duck. Well, Darkwing Duck is in my top five. Okay, okay. but yes, yeah, so it's in my top five. Darkwing it's, it's close. seems to win hands. When I go to comic cons, it's all about Darkwing. It is. You know, here here's oh. what here's the funny thing. I love the stories from Ducktales, but I love the characters more from Darkwing Duck. I, that you hit the nail on the head there, young Tim, young seven year old. <laughs> <laughs> he did I, because uh, the uh, I think Tad was Tad was really Tad Stones. Yeah, I think he was going for really good uh, family, well structured stories in Ducktales. And you're absolutely right to to juice it up, fire it up. Um, the dialogue changed and the, the the stories changed in Darkwing Duck. It was a little edgier. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it brought out a lot of the. Uh... The comic book feel of the uh, 70s and 80s, you know, into the cartoon format. And when DuckTales was more of a, I always thought it was like a more of an adventure, maybe like Indiana Jones style. Yeah, the, uh, the the movie we did, what was it, The Tale of the Duck? Where the hell's the picture? I need pictures <laughs> now to help me. Where am I? The lamp. Your yeah. home. It says, your home. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the lamp. The mystery of the lost lamp. Was that it? Um, no. Treasure of the lost lamp. That's it. Yeah. Hell of a memory for a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the only movie we did. Yeah, there's a shame too because it was so well done. Mm -hmm. now, I'm sorry. I should, I'm. Yeah, you know, this is what happens from being home twenty-four-seven. You just get so damn casual. I'm sitting here munching pretzels. How dare not, you? Not very good behavior. How I apologize. You? No, I don't mind at all. Okay, if I smoke a joint, of course. <laughs> So tell, my my show is all about going back and reliving your childhood. Tell me, what was your childhood like? What was little Terry like as a kid? I, I don't know what the age was. It wasn't seven. I wasn't that precocious. But at a very early age, I uh, I found that if I act, if I played the fool, if I acted the horse's ass, that I got attention. I think that's just says everything right yeah. there. Um, that's that's how we're all built. Uh, to get attention and uh, I think I had to fight for it a little bit there was some competition <laughs> and uh, that made it you know something that I wanted all that more and then I started doing voices very early 10 11 years old because um, I found that got attention yeah and I was doing uh, uh, singers and movie stars from back in the 50s because that's where I was and uh yeah, that was. I, I, that's why doing voices is just part of who I am. I mean, it's it's a it's a muscle group that I uh, own, or at least uh, have stewardship over. But it's right there. It's it's like uh, you know a pocket, and uh, most voice people that I know are like that. Sometimes to the detriment of their sanity. Uh, or not their sanity so much, but their spouse's sanity or anybody that has to be in a room with them for a while just can't quit changing voices. 
Although I haven't done it once, have I? No, you haven't. Not yet, at least. Hopefully, maybe each question I do, you can answer in different dialects. Don't get your hopes up, little fella. <laughs> Oops. Oh, love it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that was it. I, w I wanted to have attention. I, I found that. Yeah, it was a show-off. George Carlin, who I adored, he did a whole album called Class Clown. And uh, I grew up in Catholic schools, too, mostly. Mm -hmm. And uh, that'll give you an extra edge. That'll increase your competitive spirit. And uh, and a lot of different schools. I guess, you know, that's... If you're talking about early uh, childhood, uh, mine is no different than anybody else's who went to a lot of different schools when I was a kid. In total, through high school, I went to 13 schools. Wow. And the police finally caught my father, and uh, <laughs> we settled down. But those uh, those are third grade, fifth grade, and you're in two different schools in one year, and the creepy, creepy, scary feeling of, you know, coming in and nobody and everybody is zoom looks yeah. right at you, yeah. and the guys the you know the the uh, the tough guys are always, who's this, and you got to prove yourself. Yep. So uh, I was not, uh, never uh, went in for fisticuffs. So I would uh, meet them in, out in the playground at the appointed hour and do impressions instead <laughs> and do last night's jokes from the network uh, comedy shows. Red Sky, I, I watch Red Skelton and I had his routine for the evening down cold. I could do it verbatim the next day. And uh, I don't know if I was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> just, I was just scary, scaring people. So everybody went, okay, all right. They thought you were a little bit crazy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's scary. It's also a great self-defense. It is. It is. It really is. And then high school, you know, performing in high school, college. I, I was in an acting uh, club in, in college. And uh, before I even got out of college, I started doing musical reviews and they were real big in the 60s. It was usually at two or four, four was, was the right number, uh, very pert young chorus types, you know, two bright as a penny girls and two dazzling guys. And you were doing, uh, and a, a piano player, but it mm -hmm. was, it, it, it had a wonderful Broadway feel to it because that's kind of where it originated. There was a place called Upstairs, Upstairs at the Downstairs, uh, Julius Monk, and they did exclusively musical reviews. So in that era, uh, in my early 20s, it was very popular, and they were doing them in Pittsburgh. And uh, I, I did that for two or three years. Wow. And <laughs> this is funny. I just thought of this. And I got discovered doing that sh those shows by a guy who put me on radio. I was such a great visual act. <laughs> he said... I have a plan for you. No one's going to see you, but we'd like you to uh, be on our radio station. That was KDKA. Uh, you know anything about KDKA? I don't. Oh, I don't. Tim, no. you're an empty vessel. I know. I, I, but that I, makes you a good interview because you you don't know anything. <laughs> Nothing at all. You're right. Nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> good. Sit back and I'll handle all right. this. <laughs> um, so uh, what, what did I ask you? See? You have no memory, and neither do I. 
It's it's short term. <laughs> what were you talking about? Talking Childhood. About the... You're going through how you, then you became a radio because you were doing. Oh yes, yes. K, what was KDKA for God's sake? Anybody out there? Always the same hands. The first radio station in the freaking world. Really? First commercial radio station. Wow. Now you're going to hear from the L.A. bozos. Oh, no. It was KNX. It was this. It was that. Or, you know, people Nova Scotia claim. No. The first commercial broadcast was from the Westinghouse Broadcasting Company, a very small subsidiary of, of the Westinghouse break company you know the uh, the big industry and uh, a bunch of engineers out in east pittsburgh uh figured out a way to get a telephone line to the uh what was it the harding harding election one of the, one of the uh, 1926 now this wasn't the first radio transmission but it was the first commercial formatted it had hours it had a schedule and it was a real radio station and it took itself very seriously and uh, it generated income. So it was a commercial radio station. And I swear to you, uh, I was there in the sixties, which was not that long after the twenties. So some of those guys who started, who, who were on the original, uh, uh, you know, opening of, of KDKA were still engineers and I was working with them. They were quite old. But they would take me through the through the yearbooks of early days of KDKA, and everybody wore a black tuxedo and a white tie because it was radio, <laughs> and the microphone was was this sacred object. You know, when I first walked into my father's college radio station, I was with him because he had a war to fight first, and then he came home and. Everybody was on the GI Bill, and I, he was in college, and, and I got to hang with him. And he took me to the radio station when I was probably, again, around 10. Hmm. And, and it was just, I mean, I, I seen a microphone. Daddy, is that a microphone hanging there? Why is it hanging there, Daddy? And why is the, why is the glass window over there tilted? <laughs> and why are the dogs attacking my neighbor? Can you hear that? <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like someone's literally being eaten alive. I'm not going out. Nope. Keep your nope. distance. <laughs> Keep your distance. Uh, so, you know, just uh, in love with this thing, this microphone yeah. from day one. And uh, I, I, I was going to be on radio. I was really arrogant. I said when I was, I guess, around 20, if, I am, if I'm not on a, a, a major market, radio station you know something for real that had lots and lots thousands of listeners if i didn't make it by 25 then i i don't know i'd do something else and, and <laughs> certain arrogance to that mm -hmm. but it also uh fortifies what uh, mountain gladwell talks about in the outliers you know it's time invested yeah and and doing that to the exclusion of everything else and i did that i would make tapes at home and send them off. And once a, a, a local uh, NBC O&O guy's name was Gil Fagan. He also wrote for a, um, a weekly uh, industry magazine called Billboard. No, Cashbox. There were two. He wrote for Cashbox. Anyway, he sent me a letter. He sent me a letter in response to, to a tape that I had sent him. 
And that's when these were the little, little tiny spools of tape. And it came in a box. And, you know, just the stamp was as big as the box. Somehow it got to him. He listened to it. And he was nice enough to write back and said, you know, you're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it started out something like that. But, you know, I'd be hopeful because I think you, I think you, I, he sensed a spark there or something. Yeah. Hey, he didn't. It was bullshit. It was great bullshit, and uh, it propelled me forward. And then I got the the job at KDKA. And the rest is broadcasting history. Tim. <laughs> That's awesome. How did you get involved with George Lucas? How is that your business? It's not. <laughs> uh, well, Tim, are the children asleep? Yes. Good. So long. Can we have a little music, please? <laughs> Uncle Terry, I lived in San... Uh, no, I lived in... Uh, yeah, well, when, when you're wrong. I'm, where the hell did I live? Uh, <laughs> I lived in uh, actually Larkspur at that time. And this is 1975, I guess. And I had done... Two, I worked on two things with him. Uh, he asked me to... Uh, uh, to be one of the voices on THX 1138. Yep. What's wrong? What's wrong? I was that confessional thing. Yeah. Take two red pills and see me in the morning. This is brilliant. By the way, do you ever see the original, the 16 millimeter version? I don't think I ever have. No. Did it U USC? I don't want to say it's better, but it's really intriguing. The texture and, huh. and kind of mood of the thing. Okay. But anyway, I got to work on the, uh, uh, I guess, Warner Brothers, uh, and it was his first, and uh, Coppola and and uh, Spielberg were, you know, very, very, they were sort of mentoring him, and uh, like, look what happens when they when they mentor you. <laughs> so uh, he uh, asked me then if, oh, yeah, I was to audition for a movie he was doing, Um contemporary movie about cruising and i didn't know quite what he meant what do you mean cruising and uh of course he meant driving up and down the street endlessly uh, i came from a city so we didn't do that but in those small towns uh, that's how you create i guess a, a kind of a city yeah. excitement yeah. get in your car um you know bob uh, uh, tom waits has that uh, beautiful song another saturday night and so does a guy named uh Oh, I'm, I'm digressing here. DJ <laughs> brain kicks in anyway. Uh, and you know, it was a story about him growing up in Modesto. And by the way, did you know that when he was a kid in high school, what his license plate number was? No, I didn't. And you're entirely, there's nothing in there. No, there? there's not. <laughs> <laughs> THX 1138. Okay. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about, one of the many weird and wonderful things about George Lucas is his incredible attention to detail, mm -hmm. granular stuff, you know, um, and, and his retention. He, he gets something in his head and it sticks there in the front. He doesn't put it back here mm -hmm. like the rest. He kind of keeps it percolating and then boom, he gives it a, a name or a, a job or a, you know, uh, uh, some kind of physical connection. And uh, my really <laughs> small 
uh, microscopic uh, contribution to uh, Star Wars, apparently, was that I named the Wookiee. That's what I heard. It's going around, man. Everybody's <laughs> like saying, if that ain't true, you're in deep trouble. If you made that up. I didn't know that I had done it. And there was an article in, uh, after the movie came out, it was a smash and all that. And I was reading Rolling Stone, being very hip. Of course. Still, still do. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know one song that they're talking about. <laughs> Me either. I'm so cool. music. I know. I know. Flendoy. Yeah. Fling, fling I have no clue who these people are. Now, I don't listen to anything. I listen to mainly 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you're what? 40. 14, 40. 15? 40. Oh. 40, yeah. Well, to me, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, and it says in this Rolling Stone article, Lucas, uh, where did you get the name for the Wookiee? And George says, quote, well, I had this voice actor, Terry McGovern, come in one day and he was late, which was true. And I said, why were you late? And he says, I ran over my pet Wookiee. What really happened, as if it matters one way or the other, was uh, I was in the Army Reserves and I had my, my fatigue uniform on. This was lunch hour for my so-called duties in the Army Reserve across town. And I came with my friend, best friend then, still my best friend, a guy named Bill Wookie, <laughs> who, I, I mean, coincidentally, years later, actually looks like the Wookie. <laughs> He's got the big beard and the... You know, the hair that starts here. But, yeah, however it lodged into George's magnificent brain, that's how it came out. And the Wookiee kids are like my nephews, you know. They weren't pleased when they were in grade school with it. <laughs> I would bet. <laughs> they really got taunting. Hey, Wookiee. Hey, there's a Wookiee. But now it's uh, a cool but, story for uh, them to tell. Uh, yeah. But as adults... They're kind of cool with it. They're exactly. okay with it. You also did some some voices in Star Wars too, right? Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did, Dan. Can we take that again? <laughs> I love it when people... Could we just... Okay. Because I was like, okay. Um, yes, I did... Uh, oh, I have to do my greatest hits. <clears throat> Stop. There they are. Blast them. Thank you. That's amazing. That is amazing. And but the, the big the big shock was what happened was uh, we had gone to uh, we because George knew me and and uh, had listened to me on the radio, which is why he cast me in American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. Another story. Uh, so we had, you know, he had a very small pool of people that he was dealing with, and and I was one of them. And he said, "Get me three or four voice actors and." at the house at such and such a time and he lived about a quarter of a mile from me San Anselmo his house is still there it's you know it's now like uh, <laughs> uh, high on the hill you can't go there it's like uh, uh, what, what's the great Fort Jewish... Knox or yeah but the great Jew... my, my Jewish friends are going to hear me <laughs> Masada okay yeah okay and so we go there and we go into the little screening room yeah, which was as big as my house. I'm sure. And all the plush stuff was sitting around. And George comes into the room. I mean, a more unassuming man you could not see. First of all, you could not find. He was small. I'm small. I'm like 5'7", if uh -huh. I wear double socks, you know. 
And he's, I don't think much taller than me, if, wow. if at all. And the thoroughly uh, curly thick hair, which was black then, he just looked like a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, kid. And uh, he came out and he had a big pile of scripts. And Ben Burt, the sound man, familiar with Ben Burt? I've heard the name. Yeah, Ben yes. Burt. Yep. Ben Burt. Very good. I love that name. Ben Burt. I know. <laughs> ben Burt. You know, Ben Burt wrote an entire uh, dictionary of Hutties. Really? <laughs> Had nothing to do one day. And and it's extensive. It's, I think he was... I think he was probably inspired by or annoyed by uh, the uh, Klingon That's what I was language thinking. Yep. being taught yep. in yep. universities. <laughs> and I think he felt his syntax was much <laughs> more complex. Anyway, he wrote that. And he was there with the Nagra microphone, which is state-of-the-art uh, tape recorder. I said microphone, tape recorder for the movie industry worldwide. If you're doing a film, a real film, mm. uh, a, a sound sync film, which means the camera's shooting uh, the pictures, but the sound guy is uh, operating a separate unit. And it was almost always a Nagra. And you ever see them work? No, I haven't. I know. Terry, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> what are you hitting there? What is that you're hitting? It's Coke and ice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, then if you can't blame it on booze, you do have a problem. I'm sorry. Uh, the Nagra is, a, look it up, N-A-G-R-A. And when you look at it, it's, and even when it was running, it looked kind of fragile because it was a uh, an aluminum sort of base and the guts sat on that and the reels on top. And then these arms flopped out that were very, very sensitive to any kind of motion. So no matter what was going on, the tape was feeding across the head in perfect balance. Okay. It was that German yeah. thing. Okay. I'm not going to say anymore. You, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. I do. Germans. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Germans. Yeah. My girlfriend's Russian. I feel the same way. I said, <laughs> I can't talk. Nope. The house is bugged. Katya's in the room. I, <laughs> the central committee could be listening. Uh, and and, and it's, it's an amazing product, you know, it, and I wouldn't be surprised that it's still in use because you can, you know, a lot of uh, even uh, stuff shot with video uh, today. Um, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but you still use a separate recorder yeah. uh, for movies. So that was it. We're sitting around and, and we got these scripts. Just, you know, a little stack of paper, a little voiceover job on a Wednesday night, nothing going on. And we're laughing and scratching. And I want to invoke their names because they were wonderful, wonderful, talented people. Uh, one was Jerry Walters, voice actor slash president of uh, AFTRA in San Francisco at that time. Morgan Upton one of the greatest improvisers I've ever seen. And he was a member of probably the best improv group ever, uh, the committee in San Francisco. Okay. And then there was Scott Beach. Scott Beach was a larger than life character, a Renaissance guy who worked in television and <clears throat> radio and did movies. And he was, did concerts. He was kind of a Theodore Bikel on acid. 
<laughs> because he really was. <laughs> and me, and me. I think it was just the four of us. And uh, so we sat there, Tim, and and um, George or an assistant would say, okay, here, and hand me a piece of paper, and I'd read it one way, two ways, three ways, and then that would get past the sun. And we literally took turns. We all read the same material. Oh, wow. So I go to see the movie two years later in Westwood. I was working uh, uh, weekends at uh, w, uh, K, K West. How many letters is that? <laughs> K West. Yeah. So uh, uh, KWST. Thank you. My assistant told me. There you go. <laughs> There's no one here. I'm totally alone. And I'm frightened. It's the Russians. And I was on uh, K West and... Uh, Paul Cassidy, the guy that uh, ran the radio station, a buddy, he said, you want to go see a science fiction movie that we're uh, uh, sponsoring? Because uh, radio stations, at least in those days, would do promos with movies. They get yeah. tied in with a movie. And for the first time, 400 bozos that call this number, uh, you'll get a ticket. So it was a Saturday. I meet Paul at one of the great movie theaters in Westwood. You ever been to a th movie theater in Westwood? Don't answer. No, uh, I haven't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, it's right in Hollywood's backyard. Okay. And so uh, they're, they're great theaters. And we go there and we see it. And I about to poop my pants. I said, Paul, my God, that's me. I mean, I heard my, my voice initially and yeah. stopped. There they go. Blast them and all that. Her, not, not just mine, but everybody's. But you hear yours. Yeah. That's the one. That, yep. And suddenly, suddenly, the clouds parted. Now, suddenly, I'm looking at the screen, and there's one of my favorite actors in the world. His um, name I can't remember right now. Uh, Obi-Wan, you know. And he is talking to a guy in a suit with a helmet who says, are these the droids? Or whatever it was. Let me think if I know, I'd know it. But I know I say eventually... <laughs> These aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along. You now he puts a line yep. lock on me. Yep, I know that scene. That was my voice. Oh, that's awesome. And I couldn't, I mean, apps, Alec Guinness. Yeah. Alec Guinness yeah. and I were yeah. Yeah. on the screen. <laughs> and you know what I did? I yelled like a, like a nine-year-old. Yeah. I yelled, that's me! Oh, that's awesome. And, and nobody believed you. Nobody. I, 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 people just did this, you know. And Paul said, I'm never, ever bringing you to one of these again. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so that's, that's how that there happened. And my voice, you know, my take on these aren't the droids we're looking for got matched up. Um, who knows why? Yeah. You know, give me that clip. Um, no, I'll take this one. Random. But uh, that, that, that's how it happened. And it has been, it's been like the magic sesame of my anim uh, of my video game career. I remember going to a, a place down in the, in the South Bay, Mountain View or somewhere. Can't remember the name of it, but uh, well, as I walked in, and this one was when everything was packed with money. You know, there was money everywhere down there, and they had this beautiful layout, um, big open kind of atrium, and then. Uh, the, what do you call it? A uh, just sort of a 
walls and walls of crazy people running around. And somebody said on the PA, uh, the guy who said these aren't the droids we're looking for is here. And suddenly <laughs> all these little guys were the minions, those little minions. Uh-huh. And they came running out and they all looked over the atrium, you know, and looking down at me and they chatted among themselves and then they all went back to their offices. And I thought, man, this is a really cheesy entree I'm using, <laughs> but it seems to work. And, uh, it's, you know, I have to talk for a minute about cons, okay? Okay. Cons. Of course. You know, you know I, I mean, I go to Comic Cons. I was going to Comic Cons. I think I got six under my belt before the uh, the Corona bomb hit. But that was, you know, you know I, I signed a lot of uh, uh, autographs for the Disney, mm-hmm. the work I did at Disney those years. Oh, yeah. But also there was a, uh, we had a lot of pictures made up of Star Wars because of that one line I, I got to say that I said, because I did. There's a guy, and I think his name is Anthony Powers, who came on the, uh, who came on the Comic-Con scene right around the time I did, which is very recently. And one of the things he builds himself out at is the guy uh, who said, these aren't the droids we're looking for. He says, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the sand trooper. Well, he is, I guess, because I'm not in the suit. I couldn't get to Afghanistan. Yeah. That's where it was shot. I tried. I actually auditioned for George. Oh man. I knew that they wanted uh, robots. So I showed up black shirt, long sleeve, black shirt, black pants. This will give you an idea of the depths of insanity that actors will go to. And I put a, the tape recorder about that size they were bulky then and i put uh, i made a recording a cassette recording of electronic beeps beep, boop, boop, beep, mm-hmm. beep. oh god i can't believe i did this <laughs> and i went down to audition because he was having auditions for for star wars and i don't know what he was looking for but i had heard there's robots in this so the door opens up and i walk in doing the worst Marcel Marceau you've ever seen because oh, no. the damn thing in my crotches also give him trouble beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, beep, beep. <laughs> and I walk up to his desk and I get right up to his desk and after, for the longest time he's writing and he finally he looks up and he says Terry what's that noise <laughs> I said it's my beeps I'm a robot he said oh oh okay I don't need any robots <laughs> And I went on my way, went to the Buena Vista with uh, a bunch of other guys, including Morgan Upton, the aforementioned voice actor. We went down to the Buena Vista and had Irish coffees. And uh, the production was was done in Afghanistan. And so that guy, Tony Powers, was that guy. He was in the suit, but it wasn't his voice. Mm. And I, I'd really like to just say hi to him. I've kind of passed the word along. He was on a podcast and i i answered you know i emailed them back and said i'll do respect that was my oh did you see i'll do respect that was my voice and your suit i never heard back interesting so anyway uh my god are we done yet yes we actually you get paid for this because you should pay me today 
I'm the one that should get. I this. could send you some toilet paper and some hand sanitizer. I'll, ta- I'll take them both. No, I'll take the I'll take the TP. Okay. I'm doing okay, okay. on the Good, good, dude. I'll send it off tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about Ducktales. Tell me, when you went in to audition, what did they tell you about Launchpad? What did they tell you? They, they said, "Go home, <laughs> get out of here. We don't want you." It it was almost like that. I mean, you know, nobody told me to go home, but I wasn't in. I wasn't supposed to be there doing Ducktales. Oh, really? Audition? Nope. How did that happen then? I lived in West LA. The audition was way out in Burbank. You ever been in LA? I have. Yes. Yes. I can say yes to an answer. Yes. You know what I do? I say we should rap right now. That's a good, strong finish. (laughs) So I had to drive from West LA over to Burbank and you do it every day. I mean, people would say, what do you do for a living? Instead of saying I'm an actor, I say, "I I drive. You know, I, that's all I, I, yep. I do. I, you know, I have some wardrobe in the back seat and a couple extra pictures. Anyway, it was fun. So I drive all the way out to uh, Burbank. My agent had sent me there. And I was new, new in town. It was for some drink. I can't remember what it was. But the line that I was auditioning for went something like, and you won't go blind. Or something like that. I mean, it's yeah. an innocuous tagline. And it's good for you. And I did it three different ways, which was the maximum number. But I'm thinking, I drove all the freaking way over here. Well, I can't, you know, I, I can't begrudge this. This is how you do it. I was having a talk with myself. And I see, zoom, a stack of scripts. Stack of scripts. And there's a sign that says Disney. And it said assigned actors or something like that. So I kind of slid my kind of moonwalked over there. And uh, if you're if you're really a serious actor, one of the things you learn to do is to read upside down, so you can pass, you know, <laughs> casting directors' desks and read what's on there. Oh man! And that's what I did. I just went over and kind of wow. And I saw Launchpad, and I turned it around. They had a little you know stick drawing of it animatic drawing of it and it gave a description and at the bottom which is where you always want your eye always wants to go first you'll probably see something that describes the voice you know uh uh, video uh game producers who do that i always appreciate that when they go too far is when they send you to links to to references yeah yeah because you'll get three links and two of the links will sound alike but the third one is (laughs) Who is that? It's a castrata soprano, you know, yeah. that you wanted me to be. So I had a car phone, only it was VHS. Do you ever use it? <laughs> this was before your time for sure. Uh, VHS phones, very high frequency, but not ultra. <laughs> I always thought they should have one, especially high frequency. <laughs> but this was very high frequency. And that's what that was the state of the art in whenever this was, 78, 79. Oh, no, it had to be later than that. No, no, I wasn't new in town. Hell, I'd been there for a while. Because I think the auditions were in 84. That would make sense. Yeah. Anyway, your light's flashing. Do you have a fire? Are you burning the house I don't know why that keeps doing that. It sputters. No, it looks like there's a raging fire (laughs) just beyond the computer. It is Montana, so you never know. Oh, so I lost my train again. Uh, So did you. 
you you snuck a, a peek at the bottom line of Launchpad. Thank you. You yes. know what? Uncle Terry's going to go lie down now. <laughs> okay? I'll be back in 20 minutes. Sounds good. I need to rest my head. And what it said at the bottom of the script was, it said, looking for uh, voice description, a cross between Jack Burns and John Ratzenberger. And I knew who both of them were. There you go. And I don't, I don't know if anybody else did or not, but I wasn't on the list. And I went to the guy, uh, Bob Lloyd, who, uh, you know how you take to some people and you don't, uh -huh. you know, we, weren't, we weren't real chummy, but I said, Bob, can I read for this? No, just for the people on the list, the preferred, you know, the premium, the A list, not you. And so I uh, went out uh, in front of his, his place uh, on the sidewalk and I called my agent on this VHS phone. And the thing about the VHS phone is you would pick it up. It, it's in the car. I mean, it, it has, it's attached. It's got this huge base to it and you pick it up and there's a little button in the, in the handle and you press that button and you go operator, operator, opera. And you start screaming for an operator, giving your last four digits operator four, one, one, eight, this is operator. And whoever was closest, whoever was loudest to a mobile operator that she could hear, she'd go, uh, okay, okay, guys, uh, uh, 4118. <laughs> wow. And they would pick you. It was like a, it was like bingo or something. Yeah. And so I finally got through to my agent, and I, I was hyperventilating. I said, Bob, if you don't get me into this audition, I'll, I'll hold my breath until I explode. He said, all right, all right. So he calls Bob. I go back in and Bob says, okay, well, you're in. And there were two guys in there. I wish I could remember the names. One was Tom. I don't know. He, uh, he was the, I, th I think the lead uh, writer on it. And we sat down and I said, I got the voice for you, I think. And so I picked up the script and it's really more Ratzenberger than, 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 than yeah. uh, Jack, Jack Burns was, Jack Burns was uh, kind of up. Well, it was kind of up in here like that, but he was the one that re tried to replace uh, poor devil uh, Barney on uh, on Mayberry. Uh, Andy Griffin hated him. <laughs> I was back there at that place where you picked me up when you got in. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And he it drove him crazy. But Ratzenberger's voice was more. Uh, there was more air in his voice, and it was it was more kind of definitively Boston. Uh, and I didn't want to lose that. And, and there were times uh, that it would prove funny in, in the script. You know, you literally came up with pack the car, or pack the plane. Or, and so, uh, and he had more of a kind of a thing like this, you know, and that was, to me, that was lunch pad. So a little bit of Jack Burns upper register with mostly John Ratzenberger made a little pie of it. Wow. And uh, Tom said, took the big cigar out and said, say, that's it. <laughs> no, he was a young man, very well behaved. And uh, that's it. Story over. I got to be launch pad that's awesome. on every episode. And then they, they liked the character. The character was so oafish and so lovable that uh, they brought him back for Darkwing Duck. Yeah. I had already moved up to, up here. Yeah. The so Bay Area. You were doing, home. you were recording at your home warranty for that instance, right? 
No, we didn't have we didn't have stuff like this. I mean, I thought you recorded it separately from everybody else. I did. You did, but I had to go to a recording okay. studio. Okay. Okay. Yeah, on a real mic. It still had to be a recording studio. You didn't putz around. No. The only guy like that this. did that was Paul Free. Yep, he did. He did. And he was talked about <laughs> it legendarily. Yeah. You know, I mean, he. he, he oh God, and I met him, and for oh, some God. reason or other, he took a kind of a liking to me. Wow. And. uh yeah, he was only about four feet tall. Was he really? I keep talking about size, but he was he was a a, a, a short person. Yeah, and uh, I warmed to those people right away because I very seldom get to do this. I have a son who's six seven, and I'm almost six five. Are you? Yeah, yeah. You're six five. I'm you six look five. like a little I know, guy. I know the seat's really low. <laughs> <laughs> You're, no, go back to the wall and stand up. I, okay, hold on, hold on. I have nothing to... Holy Christ, you look like Ben Roethlisberger. Look at you. That's amazing. You do. You look like Big Ben. Yeah. Anybody ever tell you that? No, no. That's a of course not. I'll take that as a compliment. I love Big Ben. Yeah. You got to hang up with somebody that's got... I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so, Paul Freeze. And he just took a liking to me, and uh, Jesus, I'm digressing all over the place. I love this it, though. Like no, I, this is perfect. Seriously, okay. I haven't done an interview in a few months because I've been busy, and this is a great welcome back. Nobody wants to talk to you. Okay. I <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I uh, I was doing a, a – a, to answer your question, I, it, we, I Coast Recorders on Mission Street in San Francisco. That was the workhorse you know, uh, recording engine uh, in town. And I would go there and do a phone patch. And a phone patch, you ever heard the term? I have. And as I'm sure you know, not going to ask, but you sit uh, in front of the microphone, you put on your earphones, and they feed you a telephone line up from the director. And there, on the other side of the glass is a guy with a recording big professional recording uh, uh, reel-to-reel machine and they get the exact right settings on the microphone to match the ones in Burbank and off you go. I mean, there was nothing really very magical to it. It was just basic because at the end of the session, the guy would have to take the reel and put it in a box and ship it down. But that's how I did the episodes that I did on DuckTales, uh, on Darkwing Duck. Mm. And I thought, you know, Every once in a while, an actor gets lucky, and he's in something, and then he gets put into the spinoff. That's like, that's solid gold. Your, your karma is platinum. It happened to me only, not as an actor, but as an animated duck. So you, you, you take what you get. I'm, I'm very grateful. I love how with Darkwing Duck, Launchpad really grew, too. You see way more of his character and his story arc, I, I believe. Yeah, see- although I did, I didn't do nearly as many shows. I didn't. Really? I, I, I counted them once. It seems to me every time I'm on Disney Plus and I watch one that I'm that I'm in it, but uh, I, I wasn't as much. I was there when when at the apex of the of the caper, whatever it was that Jim, you know, uh, Darkwing was yeah. working on. As it reached, you know, it got into the third act, and action was there was a call to action. Uh, launch would appear and. Uh, Trans- yeah. transport people around so i wasn't in, in as many but jesus 
what a great thing to go to the cons. I, I really can't wait till they come back. I, I love know. them. I know. And my girlfriend now goes with me. Oh, which nice. Is, uh, she got only got to go to two, and then poof. But we have we have such a great time, and uh, people are terrific. A little odd, <laughs> a little on the odd side, yeah. Yeah. but. I love them. No, I I, I, I agree. Them. I get a lot of emails from listeners of mine, and some of them are odd, but I get – I'll talk a little bit about one of them. I don't think I've mentioned it before, but it was about a guy. He was actually homeless, and he found my podcast because he had an old Apple iPod that he'd have to go to McDonald's to bum off their um, free Wi-Fi, and he would download my episodes and listen to them. He says it motivated him to get clean and to contact his son. Now he's living with the son, trying to build up his life again. That is a remarkable yeah. story. Jesus, that's a great yeah. story. When I got, the, I, I cried when I got that email. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's an, a very honest emotional response. I had, uh, I was in Sacramento. I was signing stuff at the Sac Anime, Sacramento, last year. And I look up and up and up and up, and there's a giant standing in front of me, um, big African-American guy, maybe 50. And he looks down at me and, and, and says, I'd like to thank you for saving my life. And I said, what? This, I swear to God, I'm not, not, I'm not misquoting him. He said, when I was a kid, the guys would push me around. Yeah. I said, your size? You weren't... No, I was big. That's why they picked on me. Wow. And he was just this docile soul who didn't want to, any part of that stupid shit. Anyway, he would race. He, he would try to avoid those kids after school and race home and, yeah. and turn on the, uh, uh, the Disney stuff. Yeah. And he said, it changed my life because you guys made me feel that I was worth something. Well, it's too late for me now. I'm bawling. I'm crying all over yeah. my pictures. <laughs> I'm just trying to hang on, and I'm looking at the young woman who's assisting me. And I said, wow, how many times is this going to happen? And it happened in my short six-show uh, career, six-con career, almost at every con. You get an incident or two like that. So I understand uh, 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 how you feel when somebody reacts that way. Yeah, uh, it's It's humbling, and... It feels great too. And here, here's my great. here's my story. So I started the show. It was eight years ago. It was after my father passed away. He was fifty seven years old. Jesus. Yeah, he had a heart Baby. attack. I know, I know. And um, it hit me hard. We were like best friends. And oh. Shit. I wanted to relive my childhood because I have a I have I had an amazing amazing childhood. I had nothing wrong happen at all. And I just started watching these old cartoons that I loved as a kid. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a show where I interview these people who really inspired me as a kid. And that's how I started doing this show right here. It was how old How old were you? I'm looking at, is that your reflection? Where? Right, right in the middle. Yeah, right to, to, to the screen right. No, on your on your screen. I screen don't... right's to your left. Where Where are you talking about? Yeah, I see, I see the back of your head. How is that possible? I have no idea. Oh, there's a, maybe... Yeah. Over yeah, here, it's some kind of reflection. Okay, okay. I thought there was someone else in there <laughs> no, with you, Tim, but it's, it's sadly my, you're by yourself. It's my animation cells. There's Launchpad right there. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's my Launchpad from Darkwing Duck. I'll be down. 
I have a wall full of cells. I love the cells. They're, they're I do great. too. It's it's great collecting, you know, my cartoons that I loved. It's like owning a split second of my favorite cartoons. Yeah. I remember being a young guy, 65, I was on a radio KDKA back east and uh, and uh, we were promoting movies every so often. And it was Yellow Submarine. Everybody went to see it. Everybody thought, yeah, it was cute, you know, because we loved the Beatles. We thought it was a little juvenile. Yeah. The Beatles, cool. And a guy came by the station plugging the thing or the follow-up uh, PR guy, and he was selling cells for $25 a piece. Wow, that's cheap. And I said, being a almost a prescient wizard, had the foresight to say, they'll never be worth anything. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I've done that repeatedly. Uh, so the cells... And before that, before we were talking about cells, we were talking about your loss. Yeah. And and had you already started uh, uh, doing the show when your father passed, or was it? I started planning it like the month after he passed. Boy, you talk about life shaper. Yeah. Huh? It, I mean... it, it kept me busy. You know, it kept my mind going for the time that I was mourning. So it really was therapy for me for the first. Was he a big guy too? No, he was, my whole family's really kind of short. I mean, not short, short, maybe 5'9". But my brother's 5'. Now you're getting down into my house. Yeah, my brother's like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, my mom's yeah. not too tall. And I have an uncle who's 6'2". As far as I know, that's the only tall person in our family. And you're 6'5". Maybe 6'4 and a half, yes. That's big. Yeah. That is big. Funny thing think? is, funny thing is, I was actually the shortest guy in my high school for the first year. When I was a freshman, I was the shortest guy in my high school. I, I at had what height? At what height? Or you hadn't started to no, shoot? No, as they say. no, I didn't get tall until my senior year, and then even after that, I think it's only six one my senior year. So I grew after high school. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Both of my sons are adopted. We uh, we stole them uh, when they were babies. When they were uh, at birth, I actually uh, no, it was an open adoption, and uh, what a miracle! Yeah, twice, not once, but twice. Wow. And uh, so uh, I actually delivered my second son. Did that was really? the birth mother's plan. Wow. You know, I, I'll pick you. Yes, you get to be the father, uh, you know, because, <laughs> but you have to be in the, in the delivery room. And I looked at my wife and I said, honey, that's a deal breaker. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be in it if it was her. <laughs> of course I was. I did go and it was, uh, it was miraculous. So anyway, the, uh, uh, the boys have grown. Uh, uh, the younger boy is, uh, probably five ten, five eleven. He's a pretty husky guy and he's a nurse. And, uh, the older boy, the tall one is a cop. So I've got, uh, you know, talk about the first line of defense. Yeah. First responders. And, uh, we all live close by and they come and check on me and I, you know, I check on them, uh, every day. How are you? And, uh, any cases in your hospital yet? Fortunately, none yet. Wow. Well, he's, yeah, he's in a rehab hospital. Okay. Northern California, but it could happen yep. and sadly might, but the big guy, Brendan, he gets into high school and by now he's six, five, six, six, whatever. Wearing, you know, size 37 shoes. It's <laughs> where do you get? And Molly was great. She could find, I don't know whether she knew some, like giant cobbler somewhere who made 
giant <laughs> shoes, but we were able to keep him shod. And he's in, uh, he's in high school, and he decides he'll try football. So one day, you know, I'm a freelancer. I got nothing to do. I get in the car, drive down the road, and go to the high school uh, field. And they're out there, and I can see number 63. That's my boy. Christ, he is tall. And finally, I worked my way out onto the field. And I'm about good 10 yards behind the group, and they're exercising. And my son turns around, and he goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, I see. All right. That, uh, well, not, I just think I heard my car starting off. And I left. And as I turned around, and walked away, I hear this, uh, their defensive lineman, and I knew the guy, and I knew his voice, and he uh, he said, as I'm walking away to Brendan, he says, who's that? And I hear Brendan say, my dad, <laughs> and there's a pause, and the coach goes, what the hell happened to him? <laughs> Brendan didn't bother to explain. <laughs> Too hard to explain. Yeah. So I'm used to big guys. You guys can drain a refrigerator, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you now? Do you have kids? I do, three girls. Uh, 15-year-old, oh. 13-year-old, and eight. Wow, yeah. mazel tov. Yeah. I got the first girl in our family four years ago, uh, Brendan's daughter, uh, uh, Brendan's daughter, Brendan's wife, uh, gave him a daughter. Well, they did it together. Oh, but, of course, uh, yeah. Nora Joy and oh my God, yeah. what a it's a blessing. Now now I have a little uh, nine month old grandson. Oh, wow, named Forrest. Oh wow, that's a good name. I like that name. Yeah, it's a good solid name, and he's um, so very blessed. Uh, naturally, I worry about the guys. You know, they're yeah. still my kids. Yep. Um, but you will learn soon that once they're gone, they're they're out of your, I mean, they're out of your sphere of influence. I know, it's scary. Your sphere of influence is gone with them. <laughs> you know, or it's very, very small. And uh, it, it's kind of a one-way thing after a while, you know. They'll let you in oh, periodically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my kids are great. They're, 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 they care about their dad. We, they lost their mom. Uh, yeah, I saw that. It's coming up on three years. Wow, I can't believe it's... Feels yeah, like it was just uh, shortly ago that I remember you posting it about it on Facebook. Sorry to hear about that. I don't know what what it was about Facebook. Thank you, but Facebook, I I'd never been to therapy. I really didn't know what I was going to do when someone is dying. You don't. I mean, it's like uh, uh, I'll wax the car. You scrub the floor. Yeah. Uh, wait, you don't know what you're doing. Nope. And so I would, when we had to uh, periodically, uh, every month, every six weeks, we had to go into UCSF, great, great hospital. that specialized in tumors. Mm. And uh, I mean, it still does. It's, it's one of the leading lights in the world. Uh, but Maul had the, you know, she had one that just wasn't going to get better. But we had to go in every month. And that's when I would, I would panic. And my outlet was Facebook. Yeah, and I'd sit down and say, I, I didn't even—I don't even think I realized there were really people reading this. Yeah, yeah. It was about me writing it, yep. the exercise of of putting it on yep. paper, so to speak. <laughs> Please give a prayer and think about the because she's—I mean, I just poured my heart and soul into it, 
get a thousand responses from people. It, it was extraordinary. And I would show that to, to her and it, it, it made her feel good. So uh, that's how I feel. I mean, anybody says anything about Facebook, that's kind of what I think about. Yeah, and, it's uh, got good and bad to it. You just got yeah. to you just got to find the good in it and it's fine. Yeah. I still can't believe you're 6'5". You look <laughs> You look a you're little the... like one of the munchkins from <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I mean, it's like Billy Barty. Yeah, the chair is like the lowest setting you can go. It is, man. See, but see how the little guy sits. Yeah. Little guys <laughs> do that. I'm on two Manhattan phone books. Oh man. So early, earlier you were talking about how you met Paul Fries, and he is easily my favorite voice actor of all time. Tell him, Paul. Okay, here's something. I keep, I keep joking you, but we have a vast age difference, and I'm still going to needle you about it. Uh, but Stan Freeberg. Yep, love him. Thank yep, God. Yep. Uh, he was, he was my, uh, he was my inspiration. Yeah. He was the guy that tied it all together for me. And I remember hearing there was a big television show uh, called Dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. And uh, he he was a parodist. He you know he he would make fun of things by recreating. I mean, it's no disrespect to Weird Al Yankovic, but we all come from something. And he came lock, stock, and barrel from Stan Freeberg because Stan loved to do song parodies. But the first time I heard him was on a little forty-five. I love those records. Yep. They were so cool. You could have a box of them, take them to the parties. <laughs> and uh, although I always brought the wrong music, I was bringing jazz to the rock and roll parties. <laughs> hey, hell, do you get that crap? And uh, so I put it on, and a little kid, and it was Dragnet, totally recreated. So it had the same ambiance to it it had uh, the, the same music arrangement and everything but it was all done from scratch originally in a studio and he he plays joe friday the the, the detective yeah and they're looking for do you know it i do know and it. they're looking yep. for a dragon yeah yeah i cannot for the life of me i'm gonna i'm gonna go absolutely hysterical and you better be able to help me the great little sparrow of a woman who did his voices his female voices june Frey. thank you was it june okay Wow. I'm going to jot these incidents <laughs> down. So when I talked to the doctor, there if I go. ever knew, yes, it was April. Couldn't remember June Foray's name. I mean, that, that just blew me away. Yep. It absolutely blew me away. And I'm not going to attempt to do anything uh, except maybe the uh, part of the uh, dragon. So what are you going to do, copper? Huh? Huh? You're going to take me in? Yeah, I'm going to take you in on a 212. A 212! A 212, what's that? Uh, and whatever the charge is. And then he goes, what? What? And I'm also going to take you in on a 907. A 907? What's that? Overacting. <laughs> bum, ba -dum, bum. Those gags, you know, those jokes. Yeah. But this is all leading up to, to an album that is probably, you know, we all have that, that tapestry of music growing up that anytime we hear something from it, it takes us to that place. Yeah. And mine wasn't a music album, although there was music in it. It was, a, it was Stan Freeberg presents the United States of America. And if you've never heard it, download it. It's been remastered. 
and uh, it is. I I, mean, I can't describe it. To me, it's it's the best produced comedy album. It's the best produced Broadway. Uh, although it, they tried to make it into a play years later, but it didn't work. It was all done in the studio. Billy May was a big band leader, arranger. Uh, Paul Fries was their announcer. Uh, Peter Lees was one of the characters. June Foray naturally was all over it. And it was just an extraordinary piece of work. And I still, every once in a while, will play it. And what happens in those days, those concept, those concept comedy albums suddenly would get embedded in your head and you would start speaking in shorthand. You would just use the, a line here or a line there from the, from yeah. the, uh, you know, from the show and other people who were into the same thing would, would know that. And so that's how I got all my nerd friends. Cause we all listened to this. <laughs> Stan Freeberg presents the United States of America and the announcer on it is in the beginning. Dum, 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 bum, bum. Yep. And now, Stan Freeberg proudly presents that slight crack you would do. Yep. Proudly presents the United States of America. And that was Paul Fries, who, until I guess well into the 70s, he was the voice of every ride, every thing yep. in Disneyland. Yep, Haunted Mansion, so many, the Lincoln, um, so many, and still there. And you can still hear his voice today. Yeah. Um, are you, I guess it's kind of hard to ask what you're doing now because you can't really do anything now. How's that your business? I, I, it's not. Huh? Again, it's not. What are you writing the book? What are you conducting a podcast? No, no. Do you have any plans? Oh, oh speaking of that, can I, uh, uh, let me tell you what I'm doing and get a plug in. Absolutely. I spend a lot of time, I mean, before the virus struck, uh, goofing off, but I was always looking for something to do, you know, uh, I did it. Uh, you know, I want to do books on tape, the audio books, and uh, I've done a couple. But I want to, you know, and I keep busy, and I got my my family, and I you go and you get in the car, and uh, and and now that I have this wonderful woman in my life, uh, when I, we haven't seen each other in six weeks, and I'm thinking, finally, I find somebody. I mean, I I was lucky the first time around, so I didn't think anything spectacular was going to happen, but it did. And now we're on freaking Zoom, and it ain't enough. I'll tell you, it yeah. ain't enough. <laughs> so what what we started, uh, Katia and I, and a, another friend. I've been running an acting school up here for about twenty two years. It's uh, not meeting anymore at, at this point, but uh, about ten years ago or more, a guy joined my class named Rick Banghart, and uh, he's one of those guys that when you ask him. Wonder why this doesn't work uh, regarding computers. He can he can give you a complete and correct answer why things don't work. What you should do. Uh, he's a PhD from Michigan State where he used to design courses online. And then you got uh, Sweet Katya, who's a uh, Russian immigrant uh, from Moscow. She's not a mail order bride. Okay. <laughs> I was not thinking that. Don't make me come over there. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, if, you know, I, I didn't send away for yeah. her because I would have never gotten her. <laughs> uh, she's an actor. We met on a project, and uh, and so now she's my my very best friend, and we hang out every chance we get. And 
we decided the three of us to put a podcast together called Homestuck. And uh, we did. And we've been, we, it was supposed to be on Friday. And it doesn't get on until probably Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Because Rick, the wizard, you know, once all the, the, the facile stuff is done, the interviews, and I mean, I can do a, a few technical things. Yeah. Maybe two. And he's doing all the editing now. So uh, uh, I don't know what it's going to come out looking like, but it'll probably be interesting. It's just three people in their in front of their computers at home. You see it every day, millions of people. And, uh, but we, we decided we'd, what we try to do is instead of just that idiotic, did you see Saturday Night Live's uh, show two weeks ago? I did. Yep. And they, uh, you saw them do yep. the, the, the Zoom cast yeah. with, the, with the employees. Yep. I almost wet myself. <laughs> I tell you, when that girl takes the camera into the bathroom and gets your pants down, I know. they go to the toilet. And I'm, God, that was a funny show. Yeah. It was just well they done. They, they picked everything, everything right with what's crazy with our world. And so we're doing that and we're trying to do, but we wanted to take it instead of that, you know, uh, well, Mike, I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> see some of those news <laughs> interviews, people, or, or the, the, this is the one that drives me crazy. Oh, you know, Karen, you're foreign now, right? Yeah. See yep. Those yep. Uh, I, I know. A microphone. I know. Your face. I agree. Really? I agree. That's how the sound gets in there. It kills me. So, uh, so we're trying to be professional, and we've got B-roll instead of just sitting there talking. Yeah. We have B-roll and things, and uh, what work it is. So that's it. We're we're. It's called Homestuck.tv. Okay. H-O-M-E-S-T-U-C-K dot TV. Sweet. You ever try to fit your hat on in, <laughs> in the monitor because it's backwards? <laughs> backwards. You know? Yeah. It's not always the easiest. Are you bald? I yes. <laughs> oh look at this man! We're so beautiful. What are we doing with? I know. Why are we wearing our hats? Leave the goddamn. It. That's it. No more all hat. Right. Take it all off. All right. All right. It's off. There we go. Sit. It's off. Oh, you got. You look like Ben Roethlisberger. I'm telling you, it's crazy. <laughs> Terry, thank you again for your time. Huge honor. Big fan of your work. Not just Ducktales and Darkwing Duck. Big fan of some of the video games you've done that I've played. So thank you so much for coming on Talk to Me. You're more than welcome, son. And thank you for keeping a, an old voice actor happy. <laughs> Is there any way I can have you end the episode as Launchpad? Hey, 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 everybody. Launchpad McQuack here. Reminding you, in case you lost your place, you are listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with the great Tim Nidell, whoever he is. Appreciate Everybody stay it. safe. Keep your distance. Stay away, especially from Tim. Okay? If you see him, <laughs> cross the street. <laughs> You're lovely, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check him out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.